Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're continuing our study. If this maybe you're here for the first time, we go what we call expository teaching, which is to take the Bible and to teach it verse by verse, passage by passage. We're in the book of 1 Samuel. We've been teaching that. We go verse by verse. We're in chapter 16. We'll also go ahead and go through 2 Samuel as well. It all fits together. It's the life of Samuel and Saul and David. So that's where we are. We're seeing the nation of Israel under the leadership of a man named Samuel, who was the final judge under Saul, who was the first king, and under David, who will be the second king. We haven't got to David yet. We'll see him this morning. We're at a turning point, another turning point in the history of Israel. Saul has been anointed as king. The people wanted a king, but he's failed. And we saw last time that he's been rejected as king by God. Why? Because he failed to trust God and he failed to obey God. That's what Saul did. God wants a king who loves him. God wants a king who will obey him. God wants a king after his own heart, and that, of course, is David. And what we see is a contrast between Saul, who has a heart for himself, and David, who is the second king, who will have a heart for God. And so this morning, we're going to see that. It's what we call the private anointing of David. David is going to be anointed in their passage this morning as the king of Israel, but it'll be about 15 years before he actually becomes king. So we'll see it as we go through it. The The rest of First. Uh, Samuel actually shows the transition from Saul to David as king. And as we look at this passage, Samuel comes to the forefront, and we see the life of David. We're going to begin to see a man after God's own heart. So there's some great things we'll see this morning. We'll go fairly quickly just because of time. It's a narrative passage. We're going to look at chapter 16, but there's a lot there. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. That's the key. The key to the Christian life is faithfulness. We're to serve God where we are with our gifts, talents, and abilities. That's the key. Well, this morning, and, and when we stand before our Savior, what do we want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want. Well, this morning, we're going to see, uh, begin seeing the life of David. And, and when we think about David, uh, we see a great truth. We're to be faithful in both the little things and the big things. David was faithful in the little things that he had to do. Later, he was faithful in the big things that God gave him to do. And that's what Jesus Christ said. If he said, if you're faithful in that which is little, you'll be faithful in that which is much. We all want to do great things for God. We all want to say, God, I want my life to count for you. He says, okay, start right here. We want to do the little things where you should do the little things so we can be faithful to do the big things. This morning, David is anointed as the king of Israel, but it's going to be a while. He's a faithful man. Remember last time we saw that God sent instructions to Saul to go and defeat the Amalekites and basically wipe them out, and he failed to do it. He didn't do what God wanted him to do, so God has rejected him from being the king. And so let me give you the outline of what's going to happen this morning as we continue our study. We're going to see God gives instructions to Samuel. He is the last of the judges. He was a prophet and a priest and a judge. We see God instructs Samuel. Samuel goes to meet Jesse, who is King David's father. Now, David's a young boy at this time, so Jesse's his father. And then we see that Saul chooses David. And, of course, really, this is God doing it, but we'll see how it... Uh, uh, it says Saul chooses David. It's supposed to say Samuel chooses David. And we'll see... Oh, well, no, Saul chooses David at the end. I'll show you that in just a minute. So let's begin. Let's see where we are. Chapter 16, look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel... And by the way, this is a long verse, so listen. Uh, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, 
for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. Now, that's a long verse that's basically saying God came to Samuel, who's a prophet, and he says, I want you to quit being upset about the fact that Saul's no longer going to be the king. I've rejected him. In fact, the great truth is God is the one who is changing the kings. He said, I've rejected him. Why? Because he didn't obey. He didn't trust. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He says, I'm going to send you to the city of Bethlehem. There's a man there by the name of Jesse. Jesse has, well, we don't know at this point, but he's got eight sons. And he says, I'm going to choose from one of his sons. I'm going to choose the next king of Israel. Now, when we think about David and we think about Saul, we think about Saul that he, that he failed, he sinned. He, he came short of the, God's glory. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. The truth is we're all sinful. Every one in this room has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me just show you some things real quickly before we get into the passage. Is The three ways that we're all sinners. Every one of us in this room have what we call imputed sin. That is Adam's sin. When Adam sinned in the garden, his sin is imputed to every person. Romans 5.12 says as through one man, Adam sin entered the world and death by sin and death passed to all for all sinned. It's tr- truly that Adam is the head of the human race and when Adam sinned, we all sinned. We also have inherited a nature is called the flesh. Sometimes it's called the bent to do wrong. Sometimes it's called the old man. It is a natural bent to sin, and every one of us in this room have a natural bent to sin. We, we don't have to be taught to sin. We automatically sin. The third way that we're sinners, it's personal. We actually choose to sin. So we've got Adam's sin imputed to, our, to us. We've got a nature automatically to sin that is inherited, and we choose to sin personally. There are really two ways we can sin, what we call commission and omission. Commission is we commit. We do what God says not to do. We do things. We lie. We cheat. He says, do not lie. Do not cheat. Do not steal. We do that. And then omission is we don't do what we're supposed to do. He says, study to show yourself approved. He says, pray without ceasing. So we are sinners in a number of ways, and there's a couple of ways to sin. When we look at Saul, we say, Saul was a sinner. Yeah, so was all of us. But Saul's problem was he was a man of the flesh. He was a man of pride. He was a man of jealousy. He wanted all the honor and the glory for himself. Now think about this. We're sinners, every one of us in this room. This is why... God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his son, that's Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death, that whosoever, that's anyone, would believe in him, that's faith alone, Christ alone, would believe in him, would never perish, but have everlasting life. Every human being can believe in Jesus Christ. He's given a promise that when you believe in him, he gives you eternal life. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life and that you know that you have eternal life. Well, what's going to happen? We see that God actually comes to Samuel and says, go to, Je- go to Bethlehem, go to this guy named Jesse, fill your horn with oil. We'll talk about it in just a second what that means. For I have selected a king for myself among his sons. He says, I've selected the king from his sons. Now, there's a little problem. And watch what Samuel says. Samuel said, well, how can I go? Because when Saul hears about this, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do and whom you shall anoint for me 
the one whom I've designated to you. Now Samuel said, wait a minute, if Saul hears that I've gone there to anoint a new king and he's the king, he'll be upset and he'll want to kill me. And God said, no, 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 you're going there for a sacrifice. You're going to the city, you're going to talk about a sacrifice, you're going to offer the sacrifice, then you're going to get with Jesse and you're going to pick. I'm going to show you which of his sons will be the next king of Israel. So what did Samuel do? Samuel obeyed the Lord. Look at verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him, and they said, Do you come in peace? He said, In peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, when Samuel got there, the people respect Samuel more than anybody else in the whole nation. He was the prophet, he's a priest, and he was the judge. He's the most respected. At first, they respected Saul because Saul was king, Saul was taller than anybody else, Saul was handsome, Saul did so good, and then Saul turned away. And when Saul turned away from the Lord, he began to want glory for himself. He was even going to kill his own son, Jonathan. I mean, he's done everything wrong. He's disobeyed God, but everybody still looks to Samuel as the key. And so it says the elders were trembling when he came, because they were afraid. Had had they done something wrong? Was Samuel coming to judge them in some way? Maybe Saul? Who knows what was going to happen? And so they asked him, what's going on? Do you come in peace? He said, I've come in peace. I've come for a sacrifice. I'm going to invite all of you to the sacrifice. We'll have the sacrifice. And when the sacrifice is over, he's going to take Jesse and his sons, and he's going to put them in a room, and he's going to pick one of the sons to be the next king. So let's watch what happens. Now, this is amazing. And so uh, what, what, watch what's going to happen. So look at verse 6. When they entered, when they went into the room, he looked at Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is, is before him. He saw the first son. Now, he's got him lined up there. He said, bring me your sons. So he's standing there. And Jesse says, okay, son number one, Eliab, he's my oldest son. Look how good he looks. And Samuel is standing there, and he sees Eliab, and he says, wow, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He says, this guy, he's tall and handsome. He looks good. He's, he's strong. He's a soldier. He'd be a great king. Of course, they said the same thing about Saul. Saul was taller than anybody else, handsome. He was the man, and now he failed. So you don't look to the outside. You look to the what? To the inside. So watch what happens. And they entered, they looked at Elabab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He said, look, I've rejected him. Don't look on the outside. Don't look on the outside. See, man looks on the outside. And God looks at the heart. See, we see things differently. We, we're impressed. Our world, our culture is impressed by handsome people, fast people, uh, entertainers, smart. We, we go, wow, they, they look better. They, oh, that's a celebrity. Oh, that, oh, they're so smart. Oh, they're so fast. They're the best athlete. They're the greatest basketball players ever played. We look at that and we're all impressed by the outward. But God says, I don't look at the outward. I look at the inward. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. And so here's this first son who goes, he goes, wow, does he look good? No, he said, no, sorry, I've rejected him. Move along, please, thank you. Next, they're going to line them up. They've got seven sons, or these seven sons are there. 
And so the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature. I've rejected him, for man does not see as God sees. Man looks outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. We live in a culture that only looks at the outward and never the inward. And I want you to know something. It would be better to be rejected by the world and chosen by God than loved by the world and rejected by God. See, there's some real famous people that what's going to happen when they stand before God. And there are many of you in this room who are never going to be famous according to the world. But when you stand before your Savior, he's going to say, well done. Because he looked at your inside and not your outside. And you won't ever be famous according to the world. But you're going to be famous before God. We want to be men and women who have a heart for God, who live for the Lord. A heart for God means we want the same thing he wants. We, we love the same thing. Well, look what happens. Well, the first son, nope. So then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, no, the Lord's not chosen him either. Then the next one, Jesse said, this is Shammai. Let him pass by. And he said, no, the Lord has not chosen him either. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because God told Samuel to go there because one of his sons was going to be anointed as king, and all seven of them have come by. One, the big, the good one, the next one, good one, you know, and he goes, wait a minute. Something's not right here. Something's not right. So look what happened. Samuel said to Jesse, verse 11, are these all your children? And he said, no, 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 there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he's out tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him here. For we will not sit down until he comes here. Yeah, there's one more. There's one more, but he's the, he's the youngest. Good gracious. I mean, look at, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Though we got one. We, he wasn't even important enough for us to invite to the party. I mean, he's the youngest. We told him, look, somebody got to take care of the sheep. It might as well be you, David. You're the youngest. Just stay out there with the sheep. You're the shepherd anyway. The rest of us, sorry, son, will tell you what the party was like. But anyway, so we're going in, and all of them came through there, and he said, is there one left? We said, well, yeah, we, I got one other son, but he's out there. What's David doing? He's just faithful. He's faithful in the little things. Everybody else gets to be at the party. But what's David told to do? David, you stay out here with the sheep. He says, my daddy told me to stay out here and stay with the sheep. I'm going to stay with the sheep. See, David is faithful in the little things. And he'll be faithful in the big things. See, the next king is going to be a shepherd. And David was faithful in the little things. And one day, God's going to raise him up to be faithful in the big things. He's going to be the king of Israel. He was faithful day after day after day. Let me tell you something. This last week at camp, if we didn't have a video, you would never know what some of these people did. There are people who took off work. There are people who were kid, with kids 24-7. They were kids. They were behind the scenes. They were doing this. You'll never know it. You know what? They were faithful in that which is little because you're never going to know it. People aren't going to go talking about it. Not only are they faithful in that which is little, they're faithful in that which is much. Whatever God gives for you to do, do it and do it with faithfulness. 
Sometimes we say things like, I want to do something big for God. I would like, I really want to be used by God. God says, okay, start right here. And you could say, well, that's not very big. He said, well, let's see if you're faithful in that which is little, then you can be faithful in that which is much. How would you feel if you were David? You're a pretty sharp guy. You, you can write songs. You can sing. You can play. You're tough because you killed a lion and a bear who came after your sheep. Uh, you're pretty smart. And yet they said, you stay with the sheep. We're all going to the party with Samuel, the great prophet. What did David do? David's faithful. Look at verse 12. So they sent and brought him in. Now he was ready with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now when Ruddy has the idea of reddish, reddish type hair, here comes David. And it says he's had, the, my Bible says he has handsome, beautiful eyes. The idea meant bright eyes. It means those people are excited. You can look at some people and they excite you just by the way they look. They're going, oh boy, I love life. That's David. David loved life. David was handsome. David was, he, this young guy walks in here, 15, let's say 14, 15 years old. And as soon as Samuel saw him, God says, that's the one. That's the guy. What had he been doing? Been sitting out there taking care of smelly old sheep. Everybody else has been at the party. And God says, no, no, I haven't chosen these. I've chosen this one because he's faithful in that which is little. He'll be faithful in that which is much. See, things aren't always like we think they ought to be. Because you look at it and you say, Saul should be king. He's big and handsome and everything. And Eliabab should be king. And maybe the other one should be king. No, it's David. I can still remember this story. This is true. A guy by the name of Jim Elliott and four of the people back in the 50s decided that they graduated from Wheaton College, and they decided, even though they were all-American athletes, they decided they would go to South America to take the message to a group of people called the Alka Indians, which means savages. The other name for them was the Wahudanis. So five men and their, their families decided to go to South America and that they would make contact with these people and they would tell them about Jesus. And so for months, they flew an airplane over this region of the Alcas. They were known as savages because anybody that came in there was killed. And so they tried to make friends with them and they did and they finally landed the plane and all five guys got out of the plane and one guy showed up and they nicknamed him George and they talked to him and they told him and they put George in the airplane and they flew George around and they landed back again and they told George they were friends and George said friends and they left. George left and went back to the camp and they said, there and waited, and Jim Elliott wrote in his diary, the greatest day we have made contact with the Alcas. And a group of Alcas came back and killed all five of them. And we would say, we thought they were the ones to reach the Alcas. But what a lot of people didn't know is Jim Elliott had a wife named Elizabeth, and there was a lady named Marge Saint, and they stayed, and they got into the camp. And over a period of years, they led the entire camp to Jesus Christ. And they baptized the man that killed their husband. It doesn't always turn out like we think it's going to turn out. He that is faithful in that which is little will be faithful in that which is much. If you looked at the sons of Jesse, you would have never picked David. And yet David is a man after God's own heart. And one day when Jesus Christ rules, 
as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Old Testament tells us that King David will rule under Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. A man after God's own heart. Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose from Ramah. He took the horn of oil and he poured it on him. That was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And let me tell you what God does. David was a boy, but you know what God does? God takes nobodies and he turns them into somebodies. All of us are nobodies. And when you serve God and live for him, no matter whether the world knows it or not, one day when you stand before Jesus, he's going to say, you were a somebody for me. That's what counts. Well, he anointed him. And when he anointed him, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And, and of course, in the Old Testament, the people that were anointed were prophets, priests, and kings. That's all four shadows of, the, of Jesus Christ, who is the prophet, who, know, who proclaims the word of God, who is the priest who offered himself as the final sacrifice, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so they've anointed David now as the second king of Israel. But guess what? Saul's still first king. And if you think that, Saul's, that somebody's going to go to Saul and say, you need to step down because David's now the new king, that isn't going to happen. It's going to be at least 15 years before David becomes the king. Wow. Now, the Holy Spirit coming upon David, that's for service. You understand that in the Old Testament, uh, the, whole, uh, the Holy Spirit could come upon people for service and it could leave people. Had nothing to do with salvation. Now, for us, when we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and will never leave us. But in the Old Testament, it would come and go for power. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon David from that day forward. Now, I want you to notice verse 14, and I'll go quickly through the rest of the passage. Look what this says. Now, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Now, we just got through showing the contrast that the Holy Spirit departed Saul because God has rejected him as king, and the Holy Spirit comes upon David because he's going to be the next king. Now, remember, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with salvation. The Holy Spirit, in, in the Old Testament, it has to do with service. He's taken, God has taken the power away from Saul, and he's given it to David. And so the next king will be David. Now, this is a hard verse because it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and that evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. What does that mean, an evil spirit? The Holy Spirit left Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord. The Hebrew word literally means depressing spirit. That's what it means. And so there are three thoughts about that. It Could it be, and it could be a demon that God has allowed a demon to affect Saul, God could be allowing a sad feeling to come upon Saul, or it could even be that a good angel is causing whatever's coming on. This is an evil spirit from the Lord. I think if, if I was going to have to say what I thought it was, I think maybe God allows some kind of demonic oppression, some kind of demonic uh, something to affect Saul, because he's never going to be the same after this. The rest of his life, he's going to have nothing but mental problems and mental issues. He's going to be paranoid. He's going to be crazy. He's going to do all kind of weird things the rest of his life. So let's go quickly. Look what happens. The servant said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God's terrorizing you. 
let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let's find somebody who can play, skillful player on the harp. It shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So they decided this. They said, look, every time you get messed up, Saul, and you start feeling all bad and depressed and upset, we'll bring somebody in here who can play the harp and they'll play pretty music and it'll settle you down. Well, that sounded like a good idea. So Saul said to his servants, verse 17, provide for me a man now who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I saw this man, a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He's a skillful musician. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a warrior who's prudent in speech and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. Who is he describing? He's describing David. David's called skillful, a valor, a brave, a warrior, knows what to say, handsome. The Lord is with him. He's a holy man. Now, this is the description of a 15-year-old boy. What would it be like if we described us? David is one of the most unique men that you're going to find in the Word of God and probably one of the most unique men that ever lived. I mean, he's a musician. He wrote songs. He can dance. He's a warrior. He was brilliant mind. He was handsome. He was what everybody wants to be. David was a soldier and a warrior and a poet and a songwriter. David was faithful. Look what it goes on to say. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who was with the flock. So David loaded, uh, Jesse loaded, a, uh, got a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and he sent him to Saul by David his son. So Saul says, send me your son to live with me, to stay with me, because I understand he can really play that harp thing. And what will happen is when I get all upset and bothered and something's all messed me up, he can just play and I'll feel better. And then David came to Saul, verse 21, and attended to him, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. So think about this. Saul sends for David. God is working to place David in the position of the king. Why do you think God put David with Saul? So he can see what the king does, because David's going to be the next king. Now, let me tell you something. I don't think when David got to Saul's house, he said, oh, by the way, I'm the next king. I don't think he said anything. I don't think he ever said anything. I don't think anybody's going up to Saul and saying, see that young guy over there? He's next king. No. Because it starts off and it says that David came to Saul and Saul loved him greatly. Let me tell you something. As soon as Saul finds out how great David really is, he'll become jealous and he'll want to kill David just like he wanted to kill his own son. Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David now stand before me because if he's found favor in my sight, he has. So it came about whenever an evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand and Saul would be refreshed and be well and the evil spirit would depart from him. Wow. This relationship between Saul and David begins in love and will end in hate and jealousy. I saw. We're seeing the transition. It'll take the rest of the book before it happens. Saul, the king, a fleshly man, wanting glory for himself. David, a young man who is a man after God's own heart, wants glory for God. Which way are you going to live? Which way am I going to live? Are we going to live for the glory of God or are we going to live for ourselves? That's really the toss up there. Which way are you going to live? Are we going to be a Saul or are we going to be a David? Let me give you some applications. 
let's realize the heart is what counts. The inside is what counts. The heart to, to live for the Lord. Let us desire the same things that God desires. Let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Let's be men and women who have a heart for God. That when you stand before God or, or when we live on this earth, people will look at us and say they're different. They, they're, they're, not, they're not here for themselves. They're here for God. So let's be men and women who have a heart for God. Let's realize, let, let's just be faithful in the little things. Wherever God has put us right now, remember, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. That's all that matters, wherever we are, whatever you got to do. Listen, it may never be famous. It doesn't matter whether it's famous or not. What you do may never be known by anybody else, but it is known by God. And when you stand before him, if you've been faithful in the little things, you, he's going to let you be faithful in the big things. And when you stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And finally, let's live in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our power. It's God's power through us. Notice the Holy Spirit came upon David for service and the Holy Spirit left Saul because Saul has been rejected by God. Now, we're not talking about salvation. I think Saul had believed, I think Saul believed in the Messiah. I think Saul is a same person. I don't think Saul lost anything. I think what Saul lost was the privilege of serving the living God. And that's the key. Let's live in the power of the Holy Spirit. If not, there's failure. John 15, 5, apart from him, we can do nothing. In Christ, we can do all things.